Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. The Seattle Seahawks coming off their loss against the Buffalo Bills, but they're taking on a division rival this Sunday and the Los Angeles Rams. They go on the road down there. Back-to-back road games for Seattle now. The Los Angeles Rams are in the number two spot, I suppose, with the Arizona Cardinals. So big matchup in the NFC West this week. And joining me to talk about it is the lead writer at Turf Show Times and former managing editor of Field Goals. He's Kenneth Arthur. Welcome back to the show, Kenneth. Thank you so much for having me back, despite, uh, you know, uh, turning a new side, I guess, is the I don't know what kind of phrase. to are say. You, are you like one of those trader people that we hear about? Are, are you officially like Mina Kimes and, and doing that for the Rams now? Well, I mean, uh, I I do uh, like the Rams, and I I can't speak for Mina uh, particularly, but uh, I know that I'm not um, a nobody cares about me. So no, <laughs> no, that's it. Just like unlike those people, nobody cares what I do. So that's fine. So you actually like the Rams? Well, I suppose that's uh, it's an acceptable way to uh, to say it because it would be I guess it would be not so great if you were writing about them weekly and and not at least uh, have any kind of feelings for them. Look, it's a unique experience, I think, um, being making that transition at SB Nation, of course. So, uh, but the the reality is that you know I spend every day with this team. Um, I know the, I get to know the players and the teams and the coaches and, you know, there certainly there are unexpected dynamics that change, I think for a person in those situations, just like, you know, I don't imagine that there are very many people on the Seattle Seahawks who grew up as Seahawks fans. Maybe there are zero. I don't even know who they would be. You sure. know, it's like, yeah, you unless you're somebody like Jermaine curse, right. Who grew up in the Seattle area and went to high school and followed the team that way, and then you end up getting signed by the team. That's pretty unusual for that sort of thing to happen. But look, and yet at the end of the day, like look at a guy like Walter Jones, who, you know, seems to live his life in Seattle and, yeah. and loves the Theox more than anything. And, you know, he's certainly not from Washington state. Um, but uh, the, the good news I think for everybody is that the NFC West has a lot of talented teams. So there's a lot uh, to see no matter uh, what anger you're looking at it from. So is this Rams team talented, Kenneth? I know they're five and three, but when I look down the schedule of some of the teams they've played, the teams that they've beaten, I think that was a big criticism early on in the season where you looked at them. You said, well, shoot, they've only beat teams that play in the NFC East. And now I guess you could you could look at that one game against the Bears as, as their one nice game. But what's been your take about the Rams so far this season? I think that the Rams are in a position where they've played that the schedule that they've played and they can't apologize for that. And the fact that they, you know, they, they've, they've definitely caught some breaks that teams don't necessarily plan for or ask for, uh, which is like getting Alex Smith in his first game in, in a couple of years, getting to a tag of AO, which by the way, to, I mean, the dolphins won that game. Uh, but the, you know, the, the defense that has had opportunities to play against some, not, not some of the best quarterbacks at this point of the year. And the way that I look at the schedule, I think that the Rams, they really might only have like, you know, four or five really difficult games on the schedule two against the Seahawks two against the Cardinals uh, and one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then it's just how you want to judge the 49ers and, you know, basically whatever kind of day of the week it is, some of these teams. Um, But they blew out the 
Washington football team and they uh, blew out pretty much the Eagles at a time when maybe the Eagles were better than they are today. Ultimately, it just really just comes down to, you know, and the way they play against the Chicago Bears is fine. Obviously, the Bears have a pretty terrible offense, um, but for the Rams, it'll really be just testing their metal over these next eight games because they have two against Seattle, two against Arizona, one against Tampa Bay, one against San Francisco, one against New England, and one against the Jets. So I think I, I would say that you got to beat the Patriots and Jets. Those are awful teams. Um, you got to... You got to be able to say like, great there, you you can beat those awful teams like they already have. And then they have to prove themselves in these games against Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. And, you know, that'll pretty much tell you everything you didn't know. But when you have the best player, um, probably the best player on the planet and Aaron Donald playing any position, you know, this guy is the best defensive player since Lawrence Taylor. He's just that good. And you have Jalen Ramsey, who could be the best cornerback in the NFL and they have some very talented supporting pieces that don't get as much attention. Um, I think certainly that the Rams, when, you know, because if they win this game, which I think that they will, if they win this game, they'll, they're going to be in first place. With the Rams and Aaron Donald, especially in this game, I'm, I'm kind of curious what your opinion is, because obviously, you know, I, I'm not even going to argue the, the idea of him being you know, potentially the, the greatest football player in the NFL right now. He is going up against the Seahawks offensive line that's been improved, though. I mean, as a Seahawks fan, Kenneth, for me, the last time we saw a, a good Seahawks offensive line, it was the year that they went to the Super Bowl. And it was, you know, it was OK. I mean, it's not, you know, obviously the Matt Hasselbeck era offensive line, but it does yeah. feel like they're they're giving Russell more protection this year than really we've seen from them in the last four years. And so I, I actually am going into a game that maybe I'm not as terrified as Aaron Donald of Aaron Donald as I might normally be. I think that's crazy. I mean, <laughs> that is ridiculous. You know, when you talked about the uh, 2005 Seahawks offensive line, Walter Jones is maybe the only guy where I would say if he's blocking Aaron Donald, maybe then, you know, we're talking about like a real even matchup, which I guess we sort of usually defer to the tackle as you're going to win that. If you know if it's kind of even, well, then I guess you're just sort of fighting it out a lot there. I don't, uh, there is no offensive lineman in the NFL who can stop Aaron Donald. That's why he's the best player. Yeah. And an improved Seattle offensive line is not enough. They, I mean, they need to be like, you need to have, I don't even know Zach Martin and like, uh, you know, these, well, don't make me out to be crazy here, Kenneth. Like uh, I'm saying <laughs> that instead of being terrified, I'm just kind of, you know, really scared. You know, it's, it's a very subtle <laughs> difference. You know, the, at the end of the day, Aaron Donald, I, you know, I wrote a piece for turf show times on Wednesday as we record this, but it, it, you know, it's about I mean, just the way that Aaron Donald has dominated the Seahawks for seven going on seven years, ever since they drafted him, you know, at the time, Seattle was trending upwards. They win the, they win the national championship was what I about to say <laughs> they, they win the super bowl. Uh, they they're And then the next year, the Rams draft Aaron Donald. And since then they haven't been able to stop Aaron Donald. They're four and eight against the Rams. Donald has 12 sacks, 33 QB hits, 19 tackles for a loss, two forced fumbles, two batted passes. He stopped Marshawn Lynch on fourth and one in the overtime to win a game. He stopped Marshawn Lynch pretty much like, there was just a bunch of times where it was like the Seahawks would run for negative five or one or zero yards in key situations and be stopped by, if not Aaron Donald, he's still the most double teamed player in the NFL. And he still puts up, he's, 
He's leading the NFL. I think he's leading the NFL in sacks. I saw another stat that said that if he had gotten, he's responsible for the most sacks in the NFL. And when you really look at it, like I say, this is a team that pretty much is predicated on one player. I mean, outside of him, Michael Brockers is not that special of a player. Sebastian Joseph Day is the nose tackle. He's not a good player. I mean, he's fine. I don't mean to put him down. He's a great guy, too. Um, uh, they don't have a Dante Fowler-type edge rusher. Leonard Floyd's okay. The linebackers aren't that good, relatively speaking, to other NFL teams and linebackers. And then, of course, Jalen Ramsey sets this whole secondary up. But And that's, the, that's, the, that's a very talented part of the defense. But the fact is that there's a guy named Troy Reader who's a linebacker for the Rams, and he had three sacks in a game. And it's pretty much when you have a guy like Aaron Donald, that means that one day someone will have to say on a podcast, there's a guy named Troy Reader. That's what that's how good Aaron Donald is. Right. So no offense to Damian Lewis and Ethan Pochich, uh, uh, but it's gonna be it's gonna be the toughest game of your life. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna take both of them to try and slow down Aaron Donald and you know, it, you bring up some of his big run stops, and it's a good thing that the Seahawks just aren't going to run the ball in this game. I don't. Chris Carson <laughs> looks like he may be back, but if he's not, then yeah, just we're we're going to give it to Russ. Uh, yeah, the you know, and, and some would say that running is what the best thing you can do against the LA Rams, but uh, because it, the passing hasn't uh, worked as as well. Well, Kenneth, let's take a quick break. After the break, I want to ask you about how McVeigh is going to be approaching this game going up against the Seahawks. Let's talk about that coming up next. Talking to Kenneth Arthur, the lead writer over at Turf Show Times, the Rams community on SB Nation, talking about the Seahawks and the LA Rams coming up on Sunday. It's a game coming out of the bye week, Kenneth, for the Rams. And so McVay is going to have two weeks to, to kind of prepare for this game. Um, I did a, just a brief look at the history. And uh, if you go back, obviously, he had two weeks to prepare for the Super Bowl, which they only scored three points in. They had two weeks to prepare for, I think, a Duck Hodges Steelers team that they only put up 12 points against last year. And so I'm not going to go back any farther than that because those uh, those feel right to me as a Seahawks fan, only looking at those two games. But I'm, I'm curious if McVeigh, with the way this offense has been rolling, it seems like they've had a lot more success when when they've been running the ball and, you know, Jared Goff can do play action things. We've also seen teams much like just this last week where Josh Allen and the Bills, they just decided to screw the run game. We're just going to throw it at the Seahawks defense because that's what they're bad at. Do you think McVay might do that same thing to the Seahawks this week and say, I'm going to put it in Jared Goff's hands for, you know, 40 to 50 times this game? It's not necessarily if McVay will talk about putting it in Jared Goff's hands. I think, um, I think it has plenty more to do with the fact that as bad as Seattle has played defensively and specifically, um, in past defense. And if you've got these two wide receivers, Robert Woods and Cooper cup, who, you know, the Rams have just extended both of these players prior to the season. They're, they're not having like their most productive years at this point. And Cooper Cup has been credited with seven dropped passes, which is uncharacteristic of uh, the way he had been playing previous to that. But I think that what you would expect to see is certainly an, uh, an attempt to put up as many passing guards as you possibly could against a team that's giving up 500 per week. So 
if Jared Goff is the guy to do that um, every week consistently, that has not been answered yet because he has not, he has not done that. You know, I think over the first five games, Jared Goff had looked like a different type of quarterback from where he was in 2019, perhaps closer to the way he was in 2018 and 2017. Um, and he wasn't like super explosive and he wasn't super exciting, but he wasn't making horrible mistakes either. Uh, the dolphins, he had four turnovers in the first half and they were really, um, his fault for the most part. Uh, he, he was making poor decisions and then that dated back to a couple weeks ago and, and against the 49ers in a loss. So I think, I don't know if the 49ers uh, had exposed something or if it's just a, a matter of playing better defenses, because that's the truth about the dolphins, 49ers and bears. They're all just better defenses yeah. and the Seahawks can't say that they are like that. <laughs> so overall, I would say that I would just want to take the opportunity to make my receivers productive and, and Tyler Higby, the tight end and Gerald Everett, another tight end, you know, the Rams have, a lot of interesting weapons and they don't know if the quarterback is the guy like uh, uh, Russell Wilson, who eventually you would want to put it in his hands and say, this is your team. This is your decisions. Like kind of where we're, we're funneling everything through your arm talent and your, your, your decision-making and stuff like that. I don't know if you want to funnel things through Jared Goff's decision-making at this point in his career. He's only 26. Maybe that'll change someday. Um, he did go to a Super Bowl not long ago. However, more than anything, you're going to see, probably five or six handoffs to Robert Woods. You could see 10 or 12 or 15 targets to Cooper cup. I think that those guys are going to try and they're just going to try and get the ball in those guys' hands and, and let them make a play. But absolutely. Sean McVay always wants to have a successful rushing attack and that'll involve Gerald Henderson. And maybe it'll even involve cam Akers this week, the rookie second round pick, because I think eventually they're going to just need to find players who are more explosive than what they have at running back so far, because Henderson is solid, but he's just not explosive right now. Well, and it's it's good that you brought up those handoffs to Robert Woods because when I think back to the the tough games that Seattle's played against the Rams, it's been because they've really stretched the defense and and tried to uh, you know speed was a big issue for the Seahawks defense last season, and I think you know with the addition of Jamal Adams with the, the drafting of Brooks, it could help in that sense. But I I would expect the Rams to to challenge them in that way. So even if they're not running the ball right up the middle to where the Seahawks have had, you know, relative success in stopping teams. I could see them trying to figure, I could see McVay trying to, you know, really test the the Seahawks' ability to, to stop them in the run game. And I, I wanted to ask you about the offensive line too, Kenneth, because going into the season, you know, at field goals, we we ranked our teams of which where we thought uh, the division rivals would finish out. And I actually, I picked the Rams to be last. And a big reason for that was the Rams' offensive line. And I've been surprised, I guess, at at how solid they've been this season. What have you seen from this Rams offensive line to this point in the season? Yeah, generally speaking, I think that uh, the tackles, Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein um, have played as two of the top players at their respective tackle positions in the NFL this season. There are probably good reasons for that as well. And, you know, these, again, these next eight games will be their bigger tests Maybe not the Seahawks. <laughs> Again, I don't think that this is a big test for the tackles. Uh, well, we'll we got Carlos Dunlap, though. He's he, he had a, a nice game against Buffalo. We'll see what happens with Carlos Dunlap. Obviously, uh, Jamal Adams brings a blitzing um, 
opportunity there that they weren't using without him as much, or at least that's why you uh, trade two first round picks for Jamal Adams, I guess. But uh, I, I, I would say that the, the tackles were two tackles. Obviously Andrew Whitworth is a hall of famer. If he had gotten, if he had not been in Cincinnati, uh, you know, or, or if he had just, yeah, because they never got to like the past the first round of the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. So if he had never uh, played in Cincinnati, maybe even a Hall of Famer, Andrew Whitworth. And yes, he's 38 or 39 years old. However, he's playing well. So yeah. I don't know. He's just, he's doing well. And then Rob Havenstein, you know, he kind of had a bad year the last year. And now this year he's playing well, which is very promising for the Rams because maybe they'll have an opportunity uh, for a long-term answer after Andrew Whitworth turns 50 or whatever. So they also had Austin Blythe, who was uh, a guard for them in 2018 and then had some struggles in 2019. And then now he's moved back to center and he's playing pretty well. And Austin Corbett, who was a second round pick of the Browns in 2018, he was the 33rd overall pick. So basically a first rounder. And then the Browns rounded up and traded him to the Rams for like a fifth or something. And he's been exceptional as a guard. And so I would say that those there's not really that much about the offensive line that's surprising to me, except for David Edwards, the left guard who uh, took over for a guy named Joseph Noteboom after he had an injury and Edwards has for the most part seemingly played well. So overall, I think every player on the offensive line other than Edwards, you would think had a good shot to be better and or to play well and uh, that's that's kind of just what hap what has happened um and the better they play of course the better the offense is going to be able to run and i'm sure that a healthier more improved offensive line in 2019 could have you know gotten the rams to the 10 or 11 wins that they would have needed to make the playoffs and then what's the perception of the rams at this point you know it would have been difficult i think to pick the Rams to go to be in last place if they had simply kicked that field goal against the Seahawks and beaten the Seahawks in week five, then they would have been 10 and six. And, uh, you know, it, that's how close really it was to maybe the perception of the Rams being like, damn, this team is 2017. They went 11 and five. They went in the vision 2018. They go 13 and three. They go to the Super Bowl 2019. They go 11 and five and maybe they get to the divisional round of the playoffs or the NFC championship game. And then you'd be sitting here and you go like, I'm not going to count out the Rams. I, I personally picked the Rams to finish in first. And I am surprised that uh, it's actually so close to happening only because they have played pretty poorly in the last couple of games. So I, 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 I want to see them show that improvement from, from specifically Jared Goff, because you're right. The offensive line is, is playing better. So I, I hear you, you know, kind of down on the Seahawks defense, Kenneth, and that's understandable. A lot of Seahawks fans are down on the defense too, but I also wonder, you know, say, say the defense can really, you know, if the defense is able to at least hold the Rams to 30 points, uh, is that something that Jared Goff and the Rams, is this just going to be a kind of shootout? I, I guess is what I'm wondering. I, I think um, the Rams will have a decent opportunity to make this a long game for Russell Wilson. And if 
if Jalen Ramsey and Troy Hill and Darius Williams, you know, we haven't really gotten into the secondary, but uh, you know, knowing that if Jalen Ramsey can take out an option, whether that's Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, if he can just take out one of those options, I think it's been pretty proven at this point that Seattle doesn't have a really good third option. I mean, David Moore um, has made some really phenomenal catches this season. Uh, if he, you know, if that's your number three guy, it doesn't, you know, he, what has he got? 26 targets in eight games. Uh, it's just, there's not, there's not a, that, that other place that we've seen it funneled to, you know, whether yeah, you that's, really expected, I think for a third option to emerge, whether it's David Moore or Greg Olson, who they paid a ton of money to in the off season or Will Disley coming back from injury or even Jacob Hollister, who was kind of probably the number two or three option last week. So um, yeah, you you do expect one of those guys, and and so it's it's going to take one of them stepping up in this game. It sounds like. Yeah, well, I, you know, if Jalen Ramsey can take out either one of those guys, or at least contain them, uh, which I don't think is that difficult to do with with Tyler Lockett. We've seen um, him come and go, which is just going to be kind of dependent to like on the fact that like Troy Hill and Darius Williams they're pretty good players. They're, they're really underrated and I could see it being more of a game where P Carroll uh, does want to run the football because it's going to be difficult to stop Aaron Donald. The corners are pretty good. John Johnson is a pretty good safety that not a lot of people talk about. And he's basically the quarterback of the defense calling out plays and stuff like that. And then there's this guy, Jordan Fuller, who's the sixth round safety out of Ohio state. Obviously, you would sit there and go like sixth round safety. Who cares? Well, I think that he might be responsible for two of their wins this season, and he's only played in three games. So Jordan Fuller is returning this uh, this week. And obviously, I'm, I, that's such like the most overblown statement anyone's ever made. It's like he was responsible for two wins, but he made some really big plays in those two in two games. And then he was good in the other. And so he's a big sleeper player out there right now who who's obviously been their best draft pick um and he's as a sixth rounder so i think that he's returning this week and and i think that uh the rams have a fairly decent shot at at not making this one of those 40 or 35 point games for the seahawks which you know last week against the buffalo bills uh, in their matchup against the seahawks i really thought this is i think the seahawks can score I said 32 points, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't think that they can, I don't think, I don't know that they can keep the bills under that number. So that was about where I was at. And then, and then obviously it was, uh, something close to that. And this week against the Rams, I don't, I don't know if the Seahawks got the, got the 30 points this week against the Rams, just because of the impact that Aaron Donald has had in this series. Uh, the addition of Jalen Ramsey, that really isn't even really, we're we're only now seeing the Jalen Ramsey effect. So I really think that for the Seahawks, they need to find some of those defensive wins. They need to force those three or four turnovers. Obviously that's going to be a key for anybody. If you force three or four turnovers. Um, but I, that's where Seattle is going to have to do something to stop the Rams. I think. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that it, it took us this long to get to the secondary. I think that DK Metcalf, matchup with Jalen Ramsey is going to be a really fun one to watch in this game coming up. 
It could be. Uh, we'll see how much Jalen Ramsey is on DK Metcalf. It, it 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 may seem like it makes sense for him to stick on him, and and they've been talking a lot about this star position on the Rams defense, and that Jalen Ramsey is playing the star position, so he'll he can move inside or outside and and do all kinds of things. But at the end of the day. Tyler Lockett is also a dangerous player. And I, and Troy Hill is a guy that's not, not bad and, and could disrupt someone like DK Metcalf at the end of the day, though. I don't know if I've said that phrase uh, <laughs> two or three times already, but ultimately, you know, I also, I love talking about DK Metcalf with anyone. I mean, that's just a fan of football. It's, it's insane to watch a guy like him at this early stage in his career, be as dominant as he is. And I, and I say that not just in terms of like statistical dominance, because we're playing in a new era of the game. It doesn't really make sense. People are completing 80% of their passes for nine yards per attempt. And it's like Joe, Joe Flacco. And it's just like, what is happening right now? Uh, It's the craziest thing, you know, no more holding penalties, nothing. And so there's all those factors, but really just the dominance of seeing a guy who looks like 125% of a normal human being or not even a normal human being, but like a normal NFL player. Like he's like 125% of the, uh, a normal NFL player. And it's just crazy to see that. And you would want to see Jalen Ramsey versus DK Metcalf. And I'm sure we're going to get some of those highlights, but ultimately, you know, maybe it's um, Brian Schottenheimer's job to figure out how to avoid those, those uh, matchups. If he was trying to avoid it, they didn't do a whole lot of that in uh, in the game against Arizona, locked up on Patrick Peterson most of that game. So it, it's going to be something fun to watch, I think. And yeah, just like it's fun to watch DK Metcalf every week. So Kenneth Arthur of Turf Show Times. Kenneth, how about a final prediction from you before you head out the door here? Yeah, well, you know, uh, first of all, everyone out there who uh, maybe if they've, they've already heard this from me, um, but uh, and I, I don't... Uh, all it's of the about, Seahawks fans that were that were following you when you were at field goals, Kenneth, they've all unfollowed, so they probably didn't hear it anyway. <laughs> um, well, yeah, and that's the other thing. I'm not on social media. Uh, I don't tweet. I, all that stuff. Read a book called uh, 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts right now by Jaron Lanier. And even if you don't want to get off social media, at least know what social media is. Sure. So that's that's one thing I'll say. But... What, what I also don't really believe in predictions, and that, that's not a thing against the uh, question. I know that uh, people often want to hear it. It's a, uh, it's not going. You know, it doesn't go anywhere. I don't know what's going to happen. I definitely think I said earlier that I expect the Rams to win uh-huh. because um, of the reasons of Aaron Donald and the defense, and I think. I'm not going to hold just, you to a score, Kenneth, because I know the Rams players, they'll they'll hear your prediction and then it'll be bulletin board material. Yeah. Or or the Seahawks, vice versa. You know, I, I just kind of curious how you're feeling. Ultimately, it also expect, you know, you have the expectation that Russell Wilson um, is Russell Wilson and that right now he's he's playing in a way with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and the best offensive line that he's he's had maybe of his career and you're seeing that he could have 50 or 55 touchdown passes. I mean, if Russell Wilson is the MVP, then the Seahawks are going to win this game. He can't lose this game and be the MVP. He Hmm. cannot go to LA against the division rival, fall from first to third place. Like for him to make up that ground, I just like, you got to win this game. Otherwise, why even if that's why you have Russell Wilson, you got to go and you got to beat your division rival when in the first place is on the line. So if Russell Wilson is the MVP, he'll win this game. 
And if he doesn't, and if it's because of Aaron Donald, then let's throw this damn bullshit out of the, 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 the unspoken rule book. And Aaron Donald is the MVP. Sure. It doesn't have to be a quarterback. It doesn't have to be a running back, which I'm supposed to be told is don't matter that they can win MVP. Uh, so it's not the quarterback. It's not the runner. Aaron Donald is the MVP. If he does this because he's the most dominant defensive player in the NFL. Statistically, he's the most dominant player in the NFL defensively from a, you know, a hyperbolic standpoint, the way people talk about him, he's the most dominant player that we've seen in a generation. So there's the offensive side with Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. There's the defensive side with Aaron Donald and the Jalen Ramsey. This is a very exciting game and it, it should come down to who wins those matchups. I think that I've made my points clear about the advantages that I think LA has, but it's a lot could happen. And, and these games are almost always close. Uh, so anything but a tie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will agree with you there. I, we, we don't want to see any ties. We almost saw one earlier and uh, yeah, I don't want it. Kenneth Arthur of turf show times. Kenneth appreciate you coming on and helping me break down this game coming up and looking forward to the game on Sunday. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate Kenneth Arthur coming back on the show and breaking down this upcoming game against the Rams. If the Seahawks are going to get the win, they are going to have to overcome some injuries in this game. Running backs Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde continue to sit out practice both Wednesday and Thursday. So Friday is going to be a big day to see if either one of them can practice, hopefully going into this game against the Rams. Ethan Posick sat out both days with a concussion. And we're going to have to see if he's going to be able to go or it could be Kyle Fuller getting the start at center, which could make for a tough day with the Seahawks going up against Aaron Donald right there in the middle of the defense. Looking at some of the other injuries, cornerback Shaquille Griffin also continues to sit out Wednesday and Thursday. Quentin Dunbar out with a knee injury and DJ Reed with an ankle injury, but a full participant in practice. Reed could see some time on the outside and maybe even safety Ryan Neal moving over to corner. If it is DJ Reed on the outside, Ugo Amati could be back in the nickel position at corner. He was limited in practice on Wednesday with his hamstring, but a full participant on Thursday. So Amati looking like he could be ready to be back in the lineup against the Rams. A few other players who sat out both Wednesday and Thursday, not going to get into the whole injury list because it is just too long. KJ Wright out with an ankle injury both days. Benson Mayoa also an ankle injury, sat out both days, along with Brian Monet. Up at fieldgoals.com, we will continue to preview this Sunday's matchup. Kenneth Arthur has his five questions, five answers with field goals. That's up on the front page. John P. Gilbert also with the news that the Seahawks bringing back running back Bo Scarborough and Nico Thorpe potentially looking at a return here coming up. Check it out, fieldgoals.com. Subscribe to this show, sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts. On Saturday, I will be back. I'll have our NFL picks with Anthony Knockreiner of the Knock on Sports and take a final look at the injury report, both for the Seahawks and the Rams going into Sunday. Stay tuned. And until then, go Hawks. Go Hawks.